Hello and welcome to the ASB Investment Podcast, a podcast that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. Before we get started, we should inform you that the views based in this podcast are those of the participants only. As individual circumstances differ, you should seek appropriate professional advice. I'm Jonathan Beale from ASB, and today Chris Tennant-Brown and Mairead Needham are joining me to provide an update on what's been going on in the markets recently. In this episode, we cover what happened in the first quarter of the year, the effects of lower interest rates, and also the impacts of the recent events in Christchurch. Hey, well, welcome, Chris, to uh, this podcast. Good to see you again. I've seen you for a, well, at least a day, so <laughs> good, good to see you. And you may have noticed we've been joined by someone else in our little studio here, which is uh, Mairead, uh, Mairead Needham. So, Mairead, welcome to uh, our little podcast group here. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Jonathan. Good. Uh, maybe just for the people listening, maybe maybe introduce yourself and say, you know, what do you do at ASB? Maybe give us a little bit of background of where, where you're from as well. Sure. So, I'm in the investment strategy team within the asset management team and um, senior investment analyst in there. So I look after, along with the rest of the team, things like the asset allocation decisions, um, the asset class decisions, the monitoring of our outsourced investment management providers. Um, so quite a quite a lot going on, quite a diverse um, job. And yeah, you might know from my accent that I'm not a local. Um, really? Originally from Ireland. Yeah. Um, been here over five years. So I call this home now. And whereabouts in Ireland? Um, so I grew up in the West Coast from uh, in a county called Mayo. No one, no one ever knows Mayo, yeah. so it's next to Galway, people okay. know Galway, um, but lived in Dublin for years. Awesome, awesome. Well, nice to have a fellow Celt, so I grew up in South Wales. So, um, Chris, we're, you're from Tapuki. I think you were there this week, weren't you? That's right, that's right, down visiting the, uh, the old family area. Uh, but uh, my life's largely been in Auckland, so I, I, I claim to be from Teapoki, but I guess I'd better call myself an Aucklander <laughs> most of the time. Hey, now, um, and lovely to have you here, Mairead. So um, um, just uh, maybe, Chris, because last time we were talking was about the tax working group, and I think that one of the last comments you were hoping a few more people were going to read your report around the tax working group, your mum or had, is uh, what sort of feedback or comments have you had about um, the communications? Oh, it's been it's been really interesting. I mean, the first thing was when we were recording that uh, podcast about the tax working group and would put out our paper. Um, it was front page of the newspaper, but literally when we walked out of the podcast, we uh, we received the dreadful news about about Christchurch. So, from a uh, from a national perspective, I guess it's it's dropped down as the government focuses on other uh, on other more important matters. Uh, but while we've been travelling. Um, and, and visiting clients over the past couple of weeks, there's been an awful lot of interest in what we think the proposed changes might mean, and and a bit of relief with our view that um, there's no need to panic, and a lot of the stuff that we're doing will be business as usual until we know a bit more. So it's been really well received, and and it's nice to know that people beyond my mum are reading awesome. and and and, and uh, listening to my work. Fantastic. So uh, and yeah, I think we maybe will touch on a little later. Maybe some of the impacts on investing that the awful events in Christchurch had a couple of weeks ago as well. So it's the last day of the quarter today, Chris, from an investment management point of view. And um, I think we were talking uh, a few weeks ago about the quarter end of December where there was lots of volatility. And this quarter has been very different, Chris. You want to give us a bit of some of the highlights that we've seen over the last uh, three months? Well, it's been an amazing contrast to, to the fourth quarter of 2018. And uh, we've seen share markets recover uh, 
remarkably, the New Zealand share market set fresh record highs during the uh, the quarter. Global shares have come back a long way. You know, global shares at some at one point were down about twenty percent from their from their peak uh, in the fourth quarter of last year, and now they're within five percent of those peaks. So a really really strong recovery, and I think the big thing that has changed, which is a key driver of this share market recovery, is the is the collective view on on what central banks will do with interest rates. And late last year, we had the U.S. Federal Reserve saying that they thought they'd raise interest rates more during the course of this year. Closer to home, we thought the RBNZ, uh, the next move would be up. We thought it'd be a long way away, but we still thought the next move will be an interest rate hike. And now we've got the Federal Reserve in the States uh, saying um, they've got a fairly neutral outlook. And the RBNZ's indicated that if they do anything in the near term, it's, it's, a, it's a cut. And in fact, we've changed our forecast to expect the Reserve Bank to cut now. Now, on the back of that, we've seen other interest rates, uh, like uh, long-term government bond yields, decline significantly over the quarter. In our case, our 10-year government bond is now below 2% in terms of a yield, and that's the lowest it's ever been. So a really remarkable quarter, and, and hopefully for clients, they'll see this flowing through to portfolios, which um, which should have benefited from the share market recovery and the rally we've seen in bond markets. And we were talking about it last time, about there's lots of media about when the market's going down, and here you are talking about markets having a bit of a rebound, but I don't remember seeing too much uh, commentary around that. Uh, the... the, the um the comments about markets getting uh, devastated uh, always make the make the headlines, but the the steady grind back isn't as exciting, and the uh, and the performance in bond markets is really unusual and and a little bit more complex to understand. So, yeah, we we sadly get used to um, dealing with all the volatility, uh, and then it gets quite quiet when markets are going going well, and and hopefully it means that investors can. Uh, can 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 relax and 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 enjoy seeing their portfolios recover. Yeah, you know, I was thinking that with with Marie joining us as well. So I suppose, Chris, you take a, you spend a lot of time thinking about and looking at things that happen in the very short term or like daily events. And I suppose Marie, in your role with asset management, you're having a bit of a longer term view. Can you give us a bit of a view on what, where you look at, what sort of time frames you look at? Yeah. So um, we look at in in terms of the asset allocations within the portfolios, we look at that on a two to three year outlook. So. Um, we are seeing all this noise and whilst we are looking at it and assessing it, we are trying to see past that noise because you don't want to make decisions off short-term volatility. If there is going to be structural changes out of all this noise, then that may well impact on the portfolios and we may make decisions on the back of that. But all this um, short-term volatility tends to have very little impact in terms of what we're doing with the portfolios. We um, believe in a long-term outlook, um, disciplined processes, and we are always constant in, in that approach. So, as I said, we will see this noise and we will watch it and, and review it, but it, it doesn't always have a direct impact on the portfolio. That's a really interesting word you use there, like discipline. So, I suppose, I think... I think a lot of people think because there's volatility in the market, an asset manager should make some changes now to react to it. And you're sort of saying, no, there's a disciplined approach to it. Exactly. Yeah, because um, it depends what these drivers are um, of the volatility. It may be, you know, maybe Donald Trump has said something and that has spurred something. So that's not a structural fundamental change. That's just the market reacting off some comments. So if you um, 
don't stick to your discipline processes, then you make, may make the wrong decisions, which will have a detrimental impact on the performance of the portfolio. Interesting, interesting. And Chris, you, you obviously you're very in the detail about what's going on and uh, making sort of outlooks as well. And I suppose one of the outlooks that we you've been talking about was interest rates likely to increase. And then in the last last week, we've seen maybe a, a different feel from the central uh, central bankers. Yeah, that's that that's right. And it's 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 really interesting because uh, economists sound like the the boy who cried wolf. Sometimes we've been thinking interest rates should increase for such a long time now. And um, and yet they just keep getting lower and lower and lower. And uh, in the first instance, this is this is quite good for the short-term performance of of bond funds, for example. But the the longer-term issue is it's it's just one more thing keeping term deposits, which so many of our investors uh, rely on, uh, keeping them keeping them low. And so uh, there's a yeah there's a number of interesting things there that just keep interest rates lower for longer seems to be the catch cry of the last few years. And what are some of the things that are driving the Reserve Bank to suggest that they may even reduce rates? Well, they're concerned about the the slowing uh, economic growth outlook. We were growing uh, well over three percent a few years ago, and yeah, you know, the economy's had a really strong run, and 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 now it's growing more in the mid two percent range, so a slower growth um, outlook. And uh, and there's not much in the way of inflation occurring. And at the end of the day, that's what the Reserve Bank's adjusting interest rates for, is they've got their price stability goal. And if inflation's not forecast to uh, to be an issue, um, and there's downside risks to, to growth and in turn in inflation, we get into the situation where now where if they do anything, it's likely to be an interest rate, uh, an interest rate cut. We've even seen that in terms of... Um what we've been doing with the funds recently, we made some changes in terms of the New Zealand bonds versus the global bonds. And we have slightly moved away from New Zealand bonds into global bonds on the back of that growth outlook, um, because that is a more structural, longer term um, impact on the portfolios. So we are making changes and um, based on the particular aspects that affect the portfolio. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah so, so what you're saying, is, and I think sometimes customers think that, oh, so if New Zealand bonds are low, well, I shouldn't be in those, I'll move out to something else. And what you're saying is we're still in New we, Zealand bonds, yeah. but you're reducing the allocation, is that exactly. what you're saying? Exactly, we're reducing it because um, they've had a really good run. Um, One-year returns on the New Zealand bonds have been around 6%, which for a fixed income asset class is, is pretty strong. Um so, you know, maybe it's time to just cash in on, on that and move it, move to other asset classes within the fixed income space that have brighter prospects without going away completely. Still got to diversify. And you're still taking the risk profile of the portfolio into account, so you're not adding any further risk, or are you? Absolutely. No, we, we do take the risk profile of the entire portfolio into account. Um, so how the different asset classes play off each other. So not just within um, New Zealand bonds versus global bonds, but at a broader portfolio pers- perspective as well. So you've got your global equities, your global property, your emerging market equities, your cash. So how do they all um, play together? And Chris, so we're hearing interest rates in New Zealand low, lower for longer. Probably should turn that into a T-shirt or something. Uh, the, um, but what, what could that potentially mean for sort of the New Zealand share market and the Australian share market, do you think? Well, I think it's one of the key factors behind the, the share market going so well through the quarter. Um, from an investor perspective, when we're out talking with people and, and I 
produce my forecast which suggests that term deposit rates are going to stay incredibly low. You know, for example, a five-year term deposit is uh, 3.6% now. Well, people will look at the New Zealand share market where there's a number of companies that are paying out dividends that are higher than that and uh, some of the utilities, uh, for example, and be comfortable with that as an investment to try and generate a higher amount of income and, and hopefully some, some capital growth as well. So the low interest rate environment uh, has been incredibly supportive for, for, for a number of New Zealand shares because of their high dividend characteristics. So they really tie in together. And when I think about my own outlook, um, it's we, we get caught up in talking about world share market volatility and... Um, and what it all might mean, and Donald Trump, and what he might mean. Um, but I actually think the interest rate outlook, whether whether we are in this lower for longer interest rate environment for quite a lot longer, is really key to it, to it all. If interest rates stay low like we're expecting, it's uh, it's pretty supportive for for share markets, and 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 that's what's been flowing through to portfolios in the quarter. And I think that's you can certainly see that in people's sort of appetite to take on a little bit more risk. You know, we're certainly seeing people who've you know relying on. Uh, their term deposit to provide them with an income in retirement, that's that's really hard and really difficult if rates are going, well, aren't moving or actually going backwards. And uh, looking for extra yield seems to be where you know people are looking and it's certainly driving the share market here in New Zealand. Mm, and it's, it's one of the nice characteristics we talked about in earlier podcasts is that you can actually get a div- decent dividend yield here. The other thing which is in the mix over the past quarter, which is a bit of a negative for, for term deposits, is these proposals from the RBNZ to increase the capital held by banks you know that we talk about that being an upward influence on rates but we're talking about borrowing rates if anything it's another downward pressure on on term deposit rates so you know I think the slow interest rate environment that's been supportive for shares uh, and at the detriment of term deposits is probably going to hang around for a while and I think if, if I started comparing the two last quarters you've had like this is volatile quarter and then you've had sort of another the following quarter with sort of uh, markets being much more positive and you know no interest rates you know being held longer uh, quite low for the poor customer that's like quite a div- difficult thing to sort of get your head around and start to understand you know the last 6 months has been quite quite difficult and very different in in periods what was what were some of the things that you suggest the customers uh, do in these types of periods well, i think the the most important thing is to um is for people to focus on their own goals and their own and their own time frame, and some of these movements are really hard to predict, and the volatility can be really distressing. But if you've got a ten-year time horizon, then to a certain extent, you have to brace yourself for a few more bouts of volatility. And I, I think it's also worth not uh, overcomplicating it. Um, if it's if you've got a well thought out plan and nothing's changed for you then it's probably best to stick with it. And, I, and I'll use the bonds as an example. I remember um, uh, back in uh, September last year, dragging uh, one of uh, Marie's colleagues along to a meeting because everyone was complaining about the bonds in the portfolio. Why do we have so many? Their returns are ridiculously low when the share markets are going so well. And, and here we are six months later, and thank goodness they were in there because the bonds have not only really smoothed out the... Um, the performance of the portfolio. They held it up during the periods of volatility and they've actually added value through this year when bonds have, have rallied to even lower yields. So the discipline uh, that Marie mentioned uh, is, is really, really important and the diversified approach. Because you know, on the day-to-day basis, you get all these 
crazy signals from markets and over the longer term uh, the diversified approach really really works so getting back to the investors I think at times like this we get really busy making sure our time frames match up with investor time frames yeah it, it, it's there's a huge similarity between sort of what asset management do around a discipline approach what's the long-term goal what are you trying to achieve with the portfolio exactly the same as what the customer's trying to achieve why have you invested the money what am i trying to achieve in the long term and it's always going to be a bit bumpy as you as you follow that journey but it's about having some what are the decisions you're going to make and the asset allocation process i suppose does that for for the asset management team Absolutely. And it's pretty rare that you'll get all asset classes going up at the same time. So you've, you've just got to be able to withstand these um, these small bumps like you, like you talked about. And the, and the changes the team make, Mairead, so can you just talk us through a little bit? So you, you make a change. How do you weigh up whether you're going to make the change or not make the change? There's some sort of benchmarks you've got to get over or levels to get yeah, over? Yeah, Jonathan. So um, once the analysis is done and it, it, you know, the models spit out that we should um, change the asset allocations to a particular um, weight, then we do a further analysis to find out if that change is actually worthwhile because to make changes, you've got to do trading and there's costs involved with that. So we do take into account the costs of doing those changes. So if the benefit or the perceived benefit is going to be um, overwhelmed by the cost of making that change, then we do take that into account and sometimes we don't make that change okay. because the benefit is eroded. Okay, so actually it's the benefit to the customer in making the decision. You might not do it because the cost outweigh the benefit of the Absolutely, okay. and the customer is central to everything we do. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, um, it would be wrong not to talk about Brexit. Chris, we've got a, a Maraid from uh, Mayo. Mayo, Mayo yep. uh, just outside Galway. I got yeah, that right. Okay. Just north of Galway. Just north of Galway. Poor get, cousin. I'll get my map out when I get home. They, <laughs> uh, so Brexit just is. It's just. It's a comedy series, isn't it? What 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 is been going on, Chris? Oh, it just uh, it's the gift that keeps giving uh, in t- in terms of bizarre political uh, de- developments. I I seriously thought that in the interests of political survival. Something would have got across the line by now, but it seems a uh, you know, we just keep drifting closer and closer to a to a hard hard Brexit. And there's all sorts of issues that politicians just can't seem to agree on. I'd have to say it's probably one of the worst periods uh, in terms of a development that I've that I've ever observed. And it's had a um, it's had an impact on on UK markets. Obviously, over the over the last couple of years, the pound initially had a big drop. And in some ways now, I think expectations are so low. Um, there's a potential when things, if they start to go right, uh, that you could see some relief in um, in asset prices that are related to, to the UK. But it, it just has been an amazing process. And what do you think going forward? So if they, they do leave and everyone agrees and then Theresa May exit stage left, what potentially could that mean for sort of global share markets? Well, I think it, for global share markets, we've got to remember it's a small part of um, of the overall global share market, and um, but it's a it's a negative, and it, and it's one of the reasons why we've seen um, UK assets under 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 pressure. So over the, over the last couple of years since the since the actual Brexit Brexit vote, from an economic perspective, oh, it's in the opposite direction of of what traditional economics would tell you is a logical thing to do. Um, and and likewise, Trump's trade wars are in the in the same boat. You know, at um, at most uh, university courses about uh, about trade, you'd 
be wanting to get into trade agreements and, and into trade blocks where you can lower barriers to doing business and yet um, here we are going down the opposite uh, road. And, and, and I think a lot of that negative news is already um, priced into, into the markets. But in terms of the outlook, I think um, things like a hard Brexit lead to a, a loss of potential growth and, and, and poorer economic performance and, and that impacts company performance over the years ahead. But from an investment perspective, I think it's worth remembering, well, global shares are just a, a part of a portfolio and UK shares are just a small part within that, that bit of a portfolio. And although this is a bad event, there's always bad events going on somewhere that impact some aspect of international shares. So um, when I was part of the global research team um, uh, a few years ago working in Sydney, now, essentially, we would always trim a little bit off our global growth forecast because something would be going wrong somewhere in the world. And that seems to be uh, one of the things going wrong in 2019. And you mentioned the uh, Trump, you, you mentioned his name quite a bit today, um, but um, and the trade wars, but China and US trade talks, and uh, is that got uh, positive implications or negative implications? Well, that's one of the things that, um, that, that has also helped markets this year. Um, last year, um, people were pulling their hair out with what Trump was doing. You know, he'd shut the government down. He was threatening more tariffs uh, uh, or increases in tariffs on, on with China. And, and yet this year we've chosen to be um, collectively optimistic about how things might pan out. Um, we'll, we'll just have to, to, to wait and see there. But, but it does appear that markets have been optimistic that it's not going to be as bad as they were worried about uh, late, late last year. And uh, just to pick up on the point you made at the beginning about uh, the awful events in Christchurch and um, the shootings there. So that has had some impacts on, um, on investments and we'll probably um, maybe touch on that now. So, Mairead, you're part of the asset management team and um, uh, the investment committee and um, there's obviously been a bit of talk about sort of investing in things like um, manufacture of, of guns or um, uh, Facebook and um, Alphabet and those types of companies. Do you want to maybe give a little of a, bit of an update on what are some of the things ASB have been doing in the, in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, so that has definitely been forefront of um, the work we're doing over the past couple of weeks. Um, so that there's two aspects to that. You've got the, the guns and, and the law changes that are coming up. So we're assessing how that's going to impact the portfolio. Obviously, if, there's, um, if we're in investments that um, contradict the laws that are going to change, um, we will we will take steps to address that. And um, we are working with external advisors on that as well. And the other aspect is around Facebook and um, ASB has been quite vocal in in that area. And um, on the investment side, we are uh, using this as an opportunity to engage with um, Facebook, um, potentially both directly, but also through our underlying investment managers. We invest through some um, pretty big global investment houses who have um, substantial shareholdings in these individual companies and through them we will use their voice as well to hopefully make a change um, from the ground up. I think that's one of the advantages isn't it that um, you know if you're using um, a very large global uh, investment house like BlackRock that we use for international equities that their scale enables you to actually um, speak to them about actually we want to bring pressure on people like Facebook. So, you know, um, little old ASB in little old New Zealand, actually, we, you can actually start to get some far-reaching and start to contact and actually 
people coming together uh, and New Zealand leading the way on saying actually there's some things here that are fundamentally wrong and using using the engagement process to do that I think is a really positive thing to do. Like a lot of the other debate is actually sell out of this stuff, um, and actually that's that's one way of doing it. But I think the engagement process is actually very strong and starting to actually sort of um, potentially have some impact. Absolutely, and when you've got a seat at the table, you can make a change. So um, that is that is our view that we're going to use that voice both collectively um, with our big investment managers, but also collectively with our peers in the industry. So there's a lot of conversations happening amongst um, various players in the industry. So if we all team together, the the hope is that we can actually um, make a difference. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And Chris, from a not not maybe. Uh, just maybe touch on it, but um, any potential um, outcomes from the awful shootings that maybe affect markets or the going forward with the outlook? I, I think the the points you've covered are really interesting, and 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 to me it highlights how complex um, some of these issues about what you should and shouldn't invest in. Uh, I, w- I, I wouldn't have thought until I saw the links people were making with Facebook as Facebook being a logical stock that you didn't hold because of a horrible event like this, but it's it's clear to see now. Um, from an economic perspective, um, it's always hard to know when to um, start analysing things like this. I was part of the team that tried to analyse the impact of the, the Christchurch earthquakes, for example, and calculate how much will this cost and is it possible that we can fix it and how, how will we do it. And in, in something like this, I think the the emotional impact and and the impact it's having on people is is really really great. Um, and we look at similar events around the world to try and understand well what are the types of businesses and industries that might get really impacted by this, so that we can we can help them or or, or at least be aware of of some of the challenges they have. And the and the logical things to to be concerned about are, are things like tourism. What impact does it have on people's feeling of safety and security and desire to, to, to travel here. Um, Education is another thing. Um, you know, people people send, uh, send their children from all around the world to get educated in New Zealand. Um, and that's a, that's a big business where, um, where your perceptions of safety must be incredibly important for a, for a parent. So those are things that, that, we, that we keep an eye on. And um, and we can look at, unfortunately, examples of where this has happened in other parts of the world. And you often do see quite a big impact on 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 sectors for for a short period of time. Uh, but hopefully, over the longer term, uh, New Zealand's um, you know really um, strong attitude to to this event um, come come through. And in, even in places like Norway, which suffered a terrible uh, tragedy a few years ago, um, they did uh, they did bounce back over the subsequent year and um and turn the perceptions around so hopefully that's what we'll see see here yeah i never thought i'd see anything like this in uh, new zealand um but it's just really shocking but i suppose one of the massive positives is the reaction of new zealanders and it's probably one of the reasons why you want to come and live in such an awesome an awesome country so it's uh, you know out of, out of something that's been really horrible you can start to see some real real positives but hey i might just stop it there and just say hey thank you very much um I love working in the wealth business because it's always every day is different. And so, uh, speaking to you guys about what's happened last quarter and what's happening in the potentially happening in the future is always uh, always learn something and always enjoyable. So, thank you very much. Thank you, Mairead, for coming along and uh, adding um, a different uh, feel and style to it. It's been awesome. And thank you, Chris, as always. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any suggestions for topics you'd like to hear, please contact us at podcast at asb.co.nz.